This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Should you be able to end your life to spare further unknowns of pain in the future? Because a Hamilton woman uh, who is terrified of entering a long-term care facility because of her chronic pain wants to end her life. The problem is that she does not qualify because you can't end your life because you don't want to go into a facility. But um, I think Arlene Rinesborough raises some very interesting arguments. This is the 75-year-old at the center of this particular issue. She's got uh, severe osteoarthritis, asthma, and psoriasis so badly that her feet bleed when she stands up. And she also has neck and back pain. Uh, she suffers because of a couple of past car accidents. So she does not want to go into a long-term care facility because she, like I think so many other seniors, uh, really fear the thought of living in a, a crowded, inhumane, and very lonely facility. And I think unless you've been in the situation of picking a home for your loved one, it's easy to judge this, but having just gone through it with my, with my late stepdad, um, you know, Unless you can afford the thousands upon thousands of dollars a month for a bed in private care or semi-private care, then you, you get what you get. And it ain't great. In a lot of cases, it's gross. I mean, it, it shocks me how we treat seniors in this country. So should this woman have to live her days like this in pain and also just completely hating where she is? Or should she have that choice? Because... Ms. Rinesborough has made it clear one way or another she is going to end her life. What she's asking is that it be with some humanity and dignity. So this is the whole slippery slope uh, approach to this part of the conversation. You know where my views are on this. It's a personal choice. I don't judge. I just, there are certain areas I don't want it moving to, like young children, uh, the mentally ill. But, you know, in a case like this, should you not be able to decide what you want to do with your own body? That's the question being asked. So let's uh, ask someone who deals with this on a daily basis. Yvonne Cunnington uh, is a volunteer donor and also works with Dying with Dignity in Hamilton. She joins us now. Yvonne, you hear Miss uh, Rinesborough's story, and it's it's a very sad one because while she is very much alive right now, the pain is significant, and she, like so many others, um, want that one way out, but they don't qualify. How big of an issue is this? Well, according to the census of uh, 2011, there are more than 9.6 million baby boomers, and I don't think any one of us wants to end up in long-term care. No. So uh, this is going to be an issue going forward in a big way because uh, the boomers are not going to want to have the kind of conditions that they've seen their parents endure in, in long-term care. And we have this new law, so we have the hope that we might qualify, but not everyone does. It's actually quite difficult to qualify. Well, it is. And, and I mean, there's a lot of talk about, you know, do should this go further? Should we be making it easier and or harder? We had a case right before Christmas of a woman, you know, because you have to go through these checks and balances over and over and over on your journey mm-hmm. towards that final moment. Um, and she was concerned that her illness would be too severe, that she would not inevitably be able to qualify because her situation yeah, so she would lose capacity. Right. That, that's the issue that everyone worries about. Even patients with cancer... <laughs> and are are given are 
qualified for MAID, they worry that if they don't do it in time, as this woman did, uh, that they would then lose capacity because their illness suddenly worsens or the painkillers uh, affect them in such a way that they don't have the capacity to consent because you have to consent at the moment that you get the MAID procedure done. Right. But the bottom line is, um, and there was always this conversation about this particular issue, you know, that slippery slope that this is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, the question becomes, you know, should you be able to end your life um, to put off unknown pain that could hit you in the future uh, if you choose? And, and I don't judge anyone who makes that decision. I think it's a very independent and very personal choice for somebody. But there will be a lot of people who say, no, we, we can't just arbitrarily be allowing people to take their lives if, in fact, they are not either dying or in, in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the issues that uh, Dying with Dignity Canada is really working on is this issue of advanced consent for people who might get capacity-robbing illnesses or who have just been um, diagnosed with something like dementia or Parkinson's mm-hmm. or ALS, whether they you know, can especially with the, with neurological diseases like dementia or Alzheimer's, uh, people would love to have the opportunity to say, if I am in this condition, if I'm in a fetal position, if I can't feed myself, if I don't recognize my family, I would like to be able to have someone give consent for me. But at the moment, that does not exist, and Dying with Dignity Canada is working on this issue and, and advocating to allow a bit more of a broader interpretation of the law. That would require a change of the law, of course. Sure. And I get the sense that eventually we will evolve in in different areas of this, because bottom line is, if this woman or anybody else who feels their life is is just either too painful or or the quality is not there, they're going to take their lives. What they're asking, though, is to do it with some dignity. Um, So it will continue to evolve. Um, But this was a part of of the discussion, you know, how easy are we supposed to make it? And I think the conversation... Um, you know, as I'm listening to you, a lot of the conversation is the fact that we don't have great long-term care for seniors. I mean, if it that hadn't been for my, we yeah, don't. I mean, my we ha- have huge waiting lists. Uh, the the facilities vary in quality, and um, what your means are in terms of your own finances matters a great deal. So um, I know that this this woman that we're talking about in the Spectator article, she was a woman who who of limited and, and modest means, and she worried that she would end up in a long-term care facility that was no better than lying in a hospital ward, you know, a ward room with four other people. And uh, that is not a very pleasant uh, way. It's not a very pleasant life to contemplate. In fact, she said that would be no life at all for her. No, and it's and it's not. And until you've been in the the situation, as I was with my my stepdad last year, having to put him into a facility in Hamilton and and watching him essentially just languish and languish mm-hmm. on waiting lists that mm-hmm. never went away, you can understand why someone like this, uh, Arlene, would want to do this. And so, how do you find this happy medium where? Someone like Ms. Rinesborough gets the peace um, of mind that she wants and really for her family, however you find that, um, without venturing down a slippery slope that essentially anybody at any time can, can go to these facilities and get, and get this, this end-of-life treatment. That is, of course, the very difficult situation that society has to grapple with. And uh, it's not easy because um, the medical field is we're really... In the medical field, it's all about saving lives and making quality of life better, but there are certain situations that seem to be 
unimprovable, but you're not near death, and therefore it's a very tough decision for anyone to have to make, uh, especially if, you know, the doctors could assess her and decide that, yes, she qualifies or no, she doesn't. But uh, it's a hurdle that patients have to get through. Well, it is, and and obviously the conversation is going to continue to evolve because while Arlene Rinesborough's, um, you know, while the things that ail her or cause her pain aren't necessarily end of life, um, mm-hmm. it certainly takes the quality of her life away. But what kinds of things are you getting, you know, given that you deal with this day to day? What are you starting to hear as part of the narrative? Are you starting to hear more stories like this woman? I think Dying with Dignity Canada, which has a um, personal support uh, program that you can you can call and uh, get some counseling through them. I think they're hearing these stories quite frequently, and there are, there are just a, a lot of very tragic stories where people don't qualify, but they really feel they have no no quality of life left, and uh, it's uh, one of those issues that if the law gets um, expanded to include people that might get dementia, then uh, people might have some feeling of of, um, comfort with and, and less fear and less anxiety about getting towards the end of their lives. Albeit, there will be an argument for many who say, but you're preying upon the mentally ill, and, and that's what we want to get. Well, we don't want right. this to and turn into an industry. Would, yeah. yeah, some people would simply say, well, this, this woman, this particular woman who was featured in the article, um, is suffering from depression, and we should treat her depression. And I know that's what a lot of medical people would say. But um, when you read about her circumstances, you also might look at it and say, well, it's quite rational to feel very upset if you're in that kind of circumstance, that you're in unremitting pain and uh, you don't have a lot of money and you have all these fears about how your future will be and how your life might end. And just before I let you go, and it's it's not a nice question to ask, but for someone like, you know, Miss Rinesborough, um, if they don't get what they want, um, you know, the ultimate cost will be suicide to themselves, which... You don't know how that's going to turn out, um, but is that? No, you don't. <laughs> there are there are cases, and and recently in the uh, Canadian Medical Journal, a doctor who was a palliative care doctor described a case in which she had a patient who was dying of cancer who would have qualified for MAID, uh, medical assistance in dying, but because doctors wait for the patients to bring it up, she did not bring it up with this man, and he was a very stoic man, and he finally killed himself. And she was she wrote a very interesting article about how upset she was about that, and should she have brought it up, um, the problem is that a doctor can't be seen as counseling someone to to get a medically assisted death. So uh, it's a it's a tough situation that clinicians, patients, and um, family members have to negotiate. Not easy. We got to solve this long-term care for seniors, one way or another. I think and we do, and, and we are yeah. we have huge shortages in the program, and we also have a province that's broke. So yeah. it's going to be a tough one to solve. Yeah, and then you've got people like Miss Reinsberg who just say, "I just want to do what I yeah. want to do." We'll yes, exactly. We'll continue to watch this journey. I thank you so much, Yvonne, for joining us. And thank you. That is Yvonne Cunnington uh, joining us tonight. We'll we'll keep an eye on this because this conversation is not going away. There are already, you know, talks about, you know, adding and or uh, changing some of the scope of of the rules and qualifications. So we'll continue uh, seeing where this goes. Alex Pearson, this is Global News Radio.